Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Malaz Bustani. He's a director and research scientist for the Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences at Regan Street Institutes. He's a research scientist at Indiana University Center for Aging Research and a Richard M. Fairbanks Professor in Aging Research at Indiana University School of Medicine. Dr. Bustani is a senior implementation scientist with extensive experience conducting implementation research, focused on developing tools, processes, and strategies to rapidly implement evidence-based, cost-effective healthcare solutions in the real world. This is core to the Occam's Rocket, and I love the work that he's done currently as the founding director of the Regan Streif Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Science. About a year ago, I had the privilege of working with Dr. Bustani to run the Healthcare Thinkathon. It was an incredible conference that I think many of you learned about, and if you didn't have a chance to attend, it's happening again on July 23rd in Indianapolis. We're going to dive into a little bit more about that during our podcast together. But over the past decade, Dr. Bustani has built a clinical laboratory within two healthcare systems in Indiana, Indiana University Health, as well as Eskenazi Health. Indiana, it's 18 hospitals. Eskenazi is a safety net health system serving the needs of underprivileged in Marion County residents of Indianapolis. He uses his clinical laboratory to train implementation scientists and has developed a graduate certificate and innovation and implementation science to provide the country with transformational agents who are skilled in building learning health systems to help folks. In the fall of 2015, Dr. Bustani became the principal investigator of the CMS-funded Great Lakes Practice Transformation Network. This network is working on supporting the transformation of 15,000 clinicians in the Midwest into highly reliable practices capable of providing the triple aim of better health and better care at lower cost. It is with a true pleasure that I host him here on the Outcomes Rocket today and uh, give you a warm welcome, Malaz. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, and it's a really a privilege to talk with an innovator like you, Saul. Hey, thank you so much, Dr. Bustani. Now, you've done an incredible amount of work. You enjoy uh, studying aging. You're very focused in the innovation scene in, in Indianapolis. But what is it that got you into the healthcare sector? You know, it's, it's really personal for me. So I'll, I'll share with you uh, uh, my obsession uh, with life. So I like, uh, I love, I want to live as long as possible. And if you want to live as long as possible, then you are going to be at risk for losing your brain uh, for a devastating disease as an Alzheimer mm -hmm. uh, disease. So that was the driving force for me to choosing healthcare system to protect my brain. And during my journey of protecting my brain, I discovered a lot of intervention, a lot of solution that might actually protect the brain of my family, my wife, my son, my daughter, my community, and overall my patients and their families. So that was my, uh, my why for coming over to the healthcare system and trying to really protect the brain for everybody in, in, in this world. Well, that's a, that's a very clear purpose. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. 
It's, you know, it's uh, for me, um, uh, having a purpose and having a why has yeah. been a savior for my uh, journey. You know, you get lost on your journey sometimes, you get distracted by a lot of um, not important or maybe not highly valuable uh, activities. And and with somebody like me who, who has a very low attention span, without that purpose, I will get lost very, very quickly. <laughs> I love it. And, and so you've worked on a lot of different projects projects, uh, very highly respected organizations, and you've done some incredible research and many publications. But out of everything that you're focused on, Malaz, what do you think is a hot topic that needs to be on health leaders agenda today? And how are you and, and your teams approaching it? I went through a, through a transition of my interests. So early on, in my career in the early 2000s or so, I was obsessed about creating a system that would protect the brain of my patients and obviously my family. And I thought the solution is to really discover new model of care delivery for brain uh, care and develop a new intervention to prevent uh, Alzheimer's disease or manage Alzheimer's disease. So um, in, uh, I'll give you an example. So in 2007 or so, our research laboratory discovered that actually uh, exposure to certain medication that are available over the counter, such as uh, Benadryl, and might actually increase your risk uh, for developing uh, Alzheimer's disease, especially if you were genetically not vulnerable for developing Alzheimer's disease. And we published our paper in a very prestigious journal, the Neurology uh, paper. And I thought, that's it, my work is done. And I thought just by publishing a paper in a prestigious journal, things will work out very well. And to my surprise, uh, Almost 10 years later now, more than two decades, and the rate of exposure to these medications have not changed at all. Um, huh. And the only people who benefit from our discovery is the folks who come over and see me in my Center for Brain Care Innovation in, in, uh, at Eskenazi. So yes. when I discovered that, I shifted my entire focus on, on cracking this inefficient translation cycle from medical discovery to uh, care delivery. So for example, it, take, it usually takes 17 years for a, a medical discovery that has evidence that has approved to make it all the way to become part of the routine. And that 17 years translation cycle happened for only 14% of these this medical discovery and only less than only only 1% or 2% of patient may end up getting benefit for that medical discovery after 17 years. I mean that is literally wow. a disaster as you can imagine. So uh, that's why I end up shifting into trying to figure out can I come up with a solution to uh, optimize this discovery to delivery. And I found potential uh, solution into this new science that emerged for the past decade or so called implementation science. And, and I became uh, obsessed with it. And, and I became uh, really uh, thirsty to gain insight from, from that implementation science for my team to develop processes and tools and strategy to actually optimize that discovery to delivery translation cycle. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, and thank you so much for sharing that story and, and the, the evolution of, of, of your, your career and, and your thought process, uh, Dr. Bustani. It's fascinating to, to hear you speak about implementation science with the same passion that you speak about uh, brain care. So it'd be interesting to hear from you in the, and so, so how long have you been on this implementation science journey? 
well, it's been technically 2010, 2011. So it's almost a decade now. Almost a decade. And we're getting closer to come up with a blueprint for that optimization cycle. So almost a decade, and, and now you, you've got uh, the work that you're doing through the certificate, and I've had a chance to meet one of your cohorts, and uh, I mean, incredibly bright people from across the country looking to get better at this uh, implementation science. Tell us about how the program has created results by helping folks do and think differently. Well, you know, um, so let me tell you why did I, you know, why did I even decided to do this graduate certificate? I'm a terrible educator. <laughs> Seriously, I don't have the attention to it. Uh, I don't have the patience. Man, you can ask my daughter when she asked me a question when she was young. Wow. I will <laughs> I, literally, I will lose it uh, with her. So I didn't want to do education, but I knew that I want to change the healthcare system. Yes. I knew that uh, the current discovery to delivery cycle is really terrible. And specifically for the protecting of the brain, I wanted the healthcare system to change. So as a researcher and pragmatic researcher and applied scientist, I looked around and said, all right, there's no way, Jose, I can actually change the healthcare system on my own. I'm just simple one person. Yeah. So I thought, all right, I'm going to have to actually change the healthcare system within. And I looked at the current healthcare system. We have approximately 6,000 hospitals or so in the healthcare system in the United States. And each hospital usually has a department of quality, medical quality and safety. And I thought if I can actually embed one change agents who I can train and coach in how to become an influencer and how to become a catalyst for this translation cycle and optimization healthcare system, then I will have a, you know, I will have a shot of actually make the healthcare system for my daughter, for my son, for my wife better. And I, and also uh, for myself. So it looked like, you know, I did back of the envelope calculation and I needed to do 6,000. I need to have a 6,000 warrior, passionate, resilient, <laughs> folks. So yeah. I said, all right, I guess I'm going to have to think about how I can actually share my insight with other people. And because I'm, I don't like to listen to a long lecture, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to come over to a lecture where the, the speakers speak for like, you know, 90% and then the audience have um, only 10% question and answer and the message is not personalized. You speak to the average. So I end up looking at the School of Business and learned from them and IU and others. And we developed this graduate certificate to literally coach and train and recruit this army of change agents and embed them within the healthcare system. Hopefully we'll change the healthcare system before Amazon and Apple change the healthcare system. That's incredible. And I really like the approach, just establishing that that 6,000 person army, taking notes from business where, you know, you find ways to apply and get results as fast as possible is, is an interesting approach as well. I'm sure it hasn't all been rainbows and sunshines. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've had some, some setbacks along the way. Share with us uh, one of those setbacks uh, and, and what you learned from it that's made you and the work that you do better. Well, you know, the first big surprise is really in my decision to how should I distribute and allocate my time. So mm -hmm. as a scientist, mm -hmm. I thought if you have a problem and that problem affects millions and millions of people, 
that technically I will spend, you know, 95% of my time, my resources into finding a solution or discovering a solution. And then the rest of it, 5%, I will end up really spending it on uh, and maybe convert that discovery into a peer review paper. That's what I thought. So for, for almost the first five uh, years or so of my journey of this discovery to, to delivery translation cycle optimization journey, I thought I just don't have the discovery and I need to spend more and more and more of my time on the discovery. Then came to my uh, curiosity from learning from other disciplines that actually my resource allocation was completely was off. So hmm. apparently, if you want to change the world on a scale, you should allocate your resources in a different way. So apparently the optimal distribution of your resources for scale is maybe 5 to 10% of discovering a solution, another maybe 10 to 15% in packaging that solution, another maybe 30% or so, 30 to 35% in finding distribution channel for these kind of package solution. Then the rest of, the, of, of your resource, which is 40 to 50%, it will be actually to create market demand for your solution. And this has happened is I will be knocking on the door of my colleagues in the C-suite in my healthcare system, even in my within school, and knocking on their door and waiting for them to open the door so I can show them the solution and the discovery that I have to figure out. And then no one usually will open the door. You keep knocking, knocking, knocking. No one open the door. No one will come over and say, you know, I need a solution for you because they don't have a problem that they think your solution will work on it. Yeah. So just discovering this concept, you always start with the problem and create a demand for solution to fix that problem and go from there. It was a big, big discovery and very disappointed because, you know, I, I never went to business school. I'm a scientist and, you know, I, I'm, I'm good in discovering solution. I'm not good in packaging and distributing and marketing. So I had to learn all these new things and thank God for Siri and Google <laughs> and YouTube because you can go there very quickly and you learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, an incredible way to, to phrase it and, and sort of, I like the percentages that you laid out, the discovery and solution, the packaging of it the distribution, and then finally creating that market demand and really focusing on that. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs in healthcare also go through the same challenge. I ask this question a lot, Dr. Bustani. I ask, tell me about a major setback. And I look back on over 400 interviews that I've done, and 60% of the people that respond to this go back to, I built it and they didn't come. <laughs> That's <laughs> That was my case. And uh, it's super interesting. A lot of very talented people. And now, you know, you've taken this lesson and applied it in a major way. And the work that you're doing has certainly got a lot of traction. And so I'm excited to definitely share a little bit more here soon. How about on the other side of the coin, Malaz? What, what would you say one of the proudest medical leadership experiences you've had to date is? You know, the, the biggest one is when I got the confidence from my colleagues in five states to actually work together and lead our Great Lake practice transformation for the past four years and accomplishing a great, great perspective. You know, here I am, a person who immigrated from, from Syria, came over to this country because I was watching Hollywood movie and I, it looked very <laughs> cool. 
you will come over to the United States and you'll find, you know, gold on the streets. But the other piece uh, is coming over, uh, you know, to the United States and have this amazing opportunity to mm -hmm. actually work very hard, get a little bit lucky and change it. So he's an immigrant with an accent who are le who's leading, you know, 30 organization and working on providing support in transformation of 15,000 clinicians within five states serving 10 million lives supported by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid in October of 2015 when we received that award from Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And my colleagues uh, gave me the, uh, their trust in that I can help together co-lead our network. And now almost four years later, we have accomplished amazing, amazing, really success and milestone. Uh, an example, we actually provided support for thousands of clinicians. Uh, we were able to help thousands and thousands of patients. We reduced more than 10,000, 30,000 inappropriate hospitalization. We led to saving in the 700 plus million dollar from quality. And now uh, we are on a journey of moving behind the Great Lakes. So we're going to be expanding our network from five states to nine states and from a 15,000 clinician to 120,000 clinician. So working on a scale, I never thought I will have that opportunity coming from a, a small town in Syria in the Middle East. But, you know, this is speak of, uh, of America as the land of opportunity is just simply amazing. That is amazing. And certainly a lot to be proud of, Dr. Bustani, with the number of people that you're impacting, your army of 6,000 and, uh, you know, this number of clinicians that you're, you're able to influence, the number of lives you're able to improve, and the dollars, right? I mean, it, it all comes back to outcomes, both clinical and, and, and economic, and you're leading in a tremendous way. And so, you know, just having been part of the work that we did together with the Healthcare Thinkathon, I saw how you led and inspired your teams and definitely took a lot of notes while we worked together. So major kudos to you. And so what would you say today is an exciting project that you're very excited about? It's um, uh, right now our big one. <laughs> it's um, like, you know, a uh, stretch goal. So uh -huh. I believe that there is enough insight from our scientists from different disciplines that we can actually create the second generation of social organization. I call it a smart organization or agile organization that can actually adapt to its social and physical environment and become uh, as resilient as a city and obviously not fail as a publicly traded company. So I've been obsessed with the question that was raised by some amazing scientists in Santa Fe Institute of Complexity Science, where that person uh, who, who was a physicist, he noticed that if you bring a bunch of humans together and cluster them in a social organization under the, the vision of a publicly traded company, then the lifespan of that social organization, that publicly traded company is 10.5 years. But if you organize the same number of, uh, of a human into a city, then yeah. that, that social organization is so amazingly resilient. You can, you can throw thousands of civil war in that city and you can, you can throw even nuclear weapon on that city and the city will, will still survive. So that fascination of a, uh, 
of a resilient social organization organized as a city and, uh, and the frailty of publicly traded company, it excited me and told me like maybe I can find that sweet spot between both and create a smart organization that has a fascinating infrastructure of how to uh, distribute uh, resources across the agents uh, or the individual of the social organization in the same time how you actually distribute and exchange social interaction among the the social organization so i've been obsessed of maybe somehow i will create a blueprint my team and our team will create a blueprint for this next generation smart organization and so far what we have been doing we've been gaining insight from two nobel laureate based uh, one, yeah, I bet you're familiar with, the, the public name for it is behavioral economics. And, oh, sure. You know, the behavioral economics, it just simply said for the past now 40 years, there is technically no human that is a, a rational trader. Uh, yeah. Most of us, even our economists, they make emotion-based trade. So you think about it from that perspective, you gain insight. And then this complexity sign that I share with you is what happens when you bring people together and organize them and what kind of emergent behavior that happens as resiliency of a city or frailty of publicly traded company. So we bring these two uh, theory together and we call it like an agile science piece. And from that insight, from these two theory, these framework, these mindset, we are now building three processes or three pillars that we believe they are the main pillar for this social second generation agile organization. And the first pillar is agile innovation that we are creating. The second one is agile implementation. And the third one are agile analytics. So my goal, hopefully over the next you know, five years, 10 years, that we will have enough insight and enough tool and processes to create this agile organization. And that agile organization, hopefully, uh, will be able to provide uh, affordable, accessible, a great uh, healthcare solution and a kind of a reduced price and a, and a progressively reduced uh, price, a great health outcomes, great quality of care, an amazing experience, not just for the patients and the family, but also for the provider. So that's kind of my dream. Hopefully, within the next five, 10 years, if I, you know, I continue to learn from amazing sociologists and artificial intelligence scientists and other uh, amazing leaders, I can learn from them and kind of match it all together and create this blueprint for this mm -hmm. agile uh, organization. Well, it's super fascinating. And uh, for the listeners tuning in, you're probably like me thinking, wow, this is awesome. I, I wanna <laughs> I wanna I wanna learn more about this and and, and so the, the, the beauty of, of somebody like, like Malaz is you, you definitely can continue to learn from his thoughts and, and the way that he does things. And an example is go to the healthcare thinkathon. And that's gonna be taking place here in Indianapolis July 23rd. We'll leave a link to the meeting in the show notes. Go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, type in Malaz, that's M-A-L-A-Z, and you'll see a link to the work that uh, Dr. Bustani has done, but also a link to the Healthcare Thinkathon, which is a one-day event where they'll be sharing ideas such as the one that he just shared around this smart organization, this agile organization. And so it's time for the lightning round, Malaz. Are you ready? Sure, no problem. <laughs> All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Uh, make sure you listen to the patients and family and work with them to co-design their solution. 
What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not to listen to patients, not to listen to other people, and not to leverage diversity. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Obsessive with learning. What's an area of focus that drives everything in your work? It's all about serving others and trying to survive and get better. Love that. And these next two, uh, Malaz, are more on a personal note for the listeners to get to know you. What's your number one health habit? <laughs> I would love to play soccer, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I can't do it anymore. So right now is just spending my time on the elliptical. Nice. I'm to learn, and, and if I have time, I would love to go back and really run again. I would love to go back and run this 100-meter dash again, but I don't know. I'm going to have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And how about your number one success habit? Is uh, listening to others and, and continuously reading book. I just got a, a book bench last week. I went on Amazon and I bought six books. Wow. Of them on network science and how to use algebra and stuff. So I'm a weird. Can you imagine? I actually <laughs> love reading physics and my vacation. I mean, it's pathetic, <laughs> but at least I'm self-aware. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And, you know, like when you go to school and I never had an appreciation for this until a couple of years ago and all those things that you learn that you think to yourself, these aren't applicable. In fact, they are, you know, the, the way that you wrap your mind around different subjects really makes you a critical thinker. So I, I think it's awesome. It's really, this is one of the benefits of being in academia. You're constantly learning and you get paid for it. Can you imagine? I get <laughs> to learn, which is amazing. So on the topic of books, Malaz, and I know you, you have one coming up here in January, which I'll put the hook in for the listeners uh, within the next couple months. We'll be giving you some more insights into that book. But besides that, the one you're writing right now, what book would you recommend to the listeners? Well, I loved the book Sapiens, A Brief History of a Human. It was, you know, it's thick, but the author is a great writer, is a great storyteller. I was able to finish it very, very quickly. So uh, Sapien has been uh, really a good book for me to reflect on it. And then the other book that I strongly recommend Mm -hmm. is Life 3.0. Between the Sapien story yeah. and Life 3.0, you, <laughs> you, you have a fun summer. So Sapiens, Reddit, uh, Harari, amazing. What's yeah. Life 3.0? Life 3.0 is just talk about uh, how we can actually evolve from Life 1.0, where hmm. if you think about us as a human from a computer perspective, uh, a software and hardware. All right. Yeah. So life 1.0, we have no control at all with our software or hardware. If our bone broke, we couldn't treat it. If our brain is not working and cognition, we don't do it. Life 2.0, we start becoming, you know, somewhat in control of our hardware. So, you know, right now, for example, we can do it, uh, you know, heart transplant, kidney transplant, face transplant, but we still have no control of our software with our brain. Life 3.0 is we'll be able to actually control and produce or free from both from hardware and software. And that's in a, in a nutshell, Life 3.0. Fascinating. Fascinating. Some great recommendations. And, and folks, what we'll do is we'll provide links to these books recommended by Dr. Donnie. Again, just go to outcomesrocket.health 
And in the search bar, type in Malaz, M-A-L-A-Z. You'll find all of our recommendations there, a full transcript of our, of our discussion today. So we're here at the end, Dr. Bustani. This has been an incredible time. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could continue the conversation. Well, I think for me, the best thing is to keep listening to you, that number one, because it's been fascinating. We don't have that opportunity of not too long or not too short conversation to get to know you know people deeply. So that's number one uh, priority. And for me, the number two priority is embrace diversity. Just get out of your routine and go out to people who think different than you, not just age, gender, and race, which is a must, but even personality, perspective, different discipline. I learned the most for my journey so far from other industry. I love the hospitality industry, the retail industry, the banking industry, and obviously the biotech industry. I learned from them so much. And most of the time, the last thing I want to tell you, innovation is simply matching. It's not coming up with something new. It's just matching. And you can't match if you have not get out of your room and embrace diversity. What an interesting thought to leave us with, Malaz. Innovation is matching. So as you all listen to this, think about how you can match solutions to problems that exist and leave inspired as I am from this conversation with Dr. Bustani. And again, the invitation for you to continue the conversation, just go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Malaz. And you'll find ways to get in touch with him, as well as check out the Healthcare Thinkathon here in July. And uh, with that, Malaz, just want to give you a big thanks for uh, spending time with us. It's been fun. I can't believe it's been 45 minutes already. Man, that was cool. <laughs> hey, good conversations uh, always fly by. So I'm, I'm privileged that you're able to, to carve the time out for us. Thanks again. No problem. Thanks for the invitation. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 